0: Hello and welcome to Game On Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host,
1: Rhonda Oldsby. Today we'll share some of your responses to our quick Twitter question, How do you create a gaming community? But before that, uh, I wanted to
0: make sure to thank a fantastic group of podcasters who had me on their show. The guys from Nerdgasm. Cast, LUL's cast had me on their show and I had a great time talking with them about gaming and game culture and casual versus hardcore gamers and women gamers and all kinds of fantastic stuff in a really kind of short period of time. So if you haven't already, I, I linked to them already on the site and have on my Twitter. If you haven't checked them out and you're looking for a fun and funny podcast, you guys definitely need to check out Nerdgasm because yeah, it was so much fun. It was so much fun, and and they're they really fun, and I'm, I'm hoping that we'll ha- have a chance to have them come on the show here. Yeah, and, and be able to talk about some of the same stuff because it was just really fun, funny stuff. So, make sure to check them out, and thanks again for for letting me come on. Uh, but before we talk about your responses to our our Twitter question talking about community and community and games. Uh, we have some pretty exciting uh, material that we want to talk about here. As many of you know, I'm sure, I'm certain that many of you know, there's a new season of The Guild.
1: Yay! Yay!
0: Hooray! So season six of the web series started uh, last week on October 2nd. New episodes are premiering every Tuesday on the Geek and Sundry channel on YouTube. Seriously, people... If you have not subscribed to YouTube uh, to this to the Geek and Sundry channel on YouTube, what is wrong with you? Yeah, because seriously, they're creating some fantastic geeky and fun content.
1: Yeah, that that's a wonderful channel. It's that's if you want an example of uh, some geek podcasting video casting that's being done well and it covers a multitude of topics Uh, you gotta check out geek and sundry yeah
0: it really does i mean it's not just gaming it's not just uh reading Mm -hmm. it's not just uh, there's all kinds of different fun stuff going on so definitely make sure to check out geek and sundry because they really do have some fantastic material that they're producing and they're doing it really well and you know they're setting the bar kind of high for for some of us (laughs) they are <laughs> which i appreciate but i'm still like ah <laughs> so if you don't know as i i hope most of you do the guild follows a dedicated group of gamers and now irl or in real life friends as they conquer hurdles in game and out written and created by felicia day who is my internet hero the guild is a prime example of how fantastic communities can be built online the show and the guild itself as a community. The first season was partially funded by the fans through PayPal donations. And without that kind of community support, we wouldn't be here talking about this great show. Right. So it really, it really is a testament to the power of fans.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and for that matter, I mean, you know, we might not be doing this show. So.
0: Right. Exactly. Uh, The connection that I have personally with the Guild, as I've mentioned on previous episodes, is they tweeted the research site. I know Rhonda because of the Guild, because she Mm -hmm. was the Guild and followed them on Twitter. And all of the participants in my dissertation study came from, from that one single tweet. And so I really have been in many ways and at many times inspired by not just the Guild, but by the work that Felicia does and the way she sort of constructed her internet stardom around her geeky passions (laughs) and we're trying to follow in her footsteps very slowly and carefully
1: (laughs) well what do you think that overall and i mean we're gonna talk specifically about season six without hopefully trying to give too many things away but what do you think overall that the guild is Telling us about uh, gaming community, because if we look at the show, Mm -hmm. we don't really know, for instance, how the members of the guild originally met. All we know is that they met online because in season one, they had never seen each other in person. Right. Yeah. Before season one,
0: you you can actually know the backstory of before season one because it is out there. It's just not uh, a web a video it's in the comic books uh, that they've created oh yeah 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 uh, on the, based on the podcast based on the web series the comic books the the codex story of the comic book tells how the guild came to meet each other online and how they came together as a group and and how they formed the knights of good which is their guild uh so be- before codex started playing she was sort of as she is in what we've seen of the show before the show she was the the catalyst who brought all these sort of different people together she played individually with all of them and then they all came to Okay. It. So so just like she is in the show, she's she is sort of the glue. I, I talk with my friends sometimes about that, about the roles that people play in a group of friends. And there's always that one person who's like the keystone friend <laughs> who connects everybody else together and holds, yeah. holds a group together. And Codex is definitely the keystone for the guild. So if you are not familiar with the show, uh, we'll be talking mostly about the main characters who are Codex, Vork, Clara, Tink, Blades, and Zabu. And we will apologize in advance if you haven't watched the most recent episodes. Pause the podcast. Just pause it. Don't stop it. But pause it. Go watch really quick. They're seven and nine minutes long. And then come back and listen so we don't spoil anything for you about what's coming out in season six. Um, Because it's just... They're so much fun and it's so awesome. And make sure while you're watching the videos to click like because that's how that's kind of like the the uh, Nielsen ratings for the web. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for YouTube, that's how they know how many people are engaged and interested in the show. So make sure you click like on all of the Geek and Sundry shows that you like because it's really important to continuing yeah, and- the content that they're creating that we like, literally quote unquote, like their their episodes and their shows. So.
1: Yeah, and while you watch, I will be rolling for damage since I did not know the background story of how the guild was formed.
0: <laughs>
1: yes, your cred just took a little bit of a hit, my friend. Yeah,
0: I'm very embarrassed. <laughs> Guess what I'll be doing while they're watching the video? To, to be fair, there are origin stories for each one of the characters. Uh, Codex origin story tells how the guild came together and is the only one that I know in depth. Um, there's also a fox. Uh, Will Wheaton's character, uh, yeah. comic as well, uh, graphic novel as well, but it doesn't tell his pre-story. It tells what happens to him after he meets Codex. Oh, okay. So those of us who are, well, like you know, fans of um, what do they call them, Cox? Yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> Codex and Fox uh, era of uh, the Guild. Uh, it's it's pretty fun read. So definitely make sure to check those out.
1: Okay, so we hope that everybody is back now and are, they're very excited now about new season six. Okay. So what do you think that in general, uh, as an overall look at a, a gaming community, what does the guild represent well or represent accurately about community? Well,
0: I, I think that one, that point I just made about sort of that one person that holds the the people together, I think is a pretty important lesson that we're learning from that. We've also noticed their re- relationships transcended the game, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they started out just as people that they knew each other in game. But then Zabu was actually the one who instigated the major change in the group by showing up at Kodak's mm-hmm. door homeless and, and, you know, needing, needing uh, well, cover, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> of his mom in the first season. And that was the catalyst that sort of broke broke through that, that, just the online connection for them. So I think one of the biggest things it shows us is how we can translate our communities from online gaming into
1: our offline lives. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of interesting things going on with that because the representation of the guild in that first season seems to indicate that all of these people in some way define their lives by the game and that their real life is something that they're not particularly dealing with or even recognizing. But eventually, like with any situation like that, real life will cave in on you. Right, right. And that's kind of what happens to Zabu. Real life caves in on him in such a way that the game is no longer able to help him. He is no longer able to escape. Right, right. And so he has to reach out in real life, right. but where does he go
0: right and he no longer, goes to the guild yeah and it, it no longer satisfies whatever connection he was getting from it yeah at first and for the long time long for the original time that the the Knights of good played together, they were satisfied with that connection being entirely online
1: yeah it was comfortable and it was safe. Yeah. Everybody knew the parameters and everybody knew the the context. Right. And even if we go back and we think about the that I don't know if it's exactly
0: the first episode, but in that first season when Tink is at Cheesy Beard, she's like, I haven't decided if I'm talking to you yet. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. Like she's sitting there playing on her Nintendo DS and she's just like, I have not. Don't acknowledge me. I'm not. I haven't decided if I'm you know talking to you people yet. So yeah. she's even still holding, which, you know, holds with her character as kind of the prickly ranger who keeps people at a distance. You know, she, she sort of tracks with that as well.
1: To me, I went back w- when we were deciding we were going to talk about the guild and view of gaming communities. I kind of went back and just did a survey of each of the seasons and they're really making a, a logical progression mm-hmm. through the, um, the growth of the relationship of that community, right. You know, they establish a good relationship in game. Mm -hmm. They know each other's strengths. They know each other's language. I mean, that goes a, a long, long way to bonding a community and having someone that you can go to with your issues. You, you know what they've got to bring to the table. Exactly. Well, we
0: talk about gaming as problem solving. Yeah. And and as a guild and as a group of people playing the online game together, they learn how to problem solve. They learn the strengths of each person in the group. They mm-hmm. learn who to go to with what issues. And and But through that, and, and as you said, sort of that, that growth or transformation that we see in their relationships, they start to change and, and their strengths start to change. Like we think about the scene in season four when, or season five, uh, sorry, no season four before they go to the con. Yeah. Um, and Codex has taken this job that's completely out of her reach, trying to do the social media, you know, management for cheesy beards and being completely inept at it. And people, and and the guild comes together to try to help her, you know, and they use a gaming metaphor, right? You're playing in, a, in an area that's too high above your level. And, Clara puts on her thinking cap, which is the squid hat. <laughs> and Clara, who we don't necessarily associate with um, the most intelligent comments, <laughs> says, you know, I've put on my plus five to intelligence hat and I have an idea. And she's the one who comes up with the idea that breaks through and helps, you know, Kodak sort of establish herself and, and bring the guild together yet again in, in problem solving and
1: helping a member out they all contribute in different ways because Mm -hmm. I, because sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Right. After like after the first season, when they, they meet very reluctantly in real life, they actually bring the game and the things that they learned in the game into their real life problems. And they use those skills to solve the real life problem. Right. In, in season two, they have gained a little confidence in each other in real life. But now you go through the idea of actually learning about the other people's personalities and how they handle things. And Clara is not really great at helping like Codex with her boy problems. (laughs) This is not a woman that you want. I mean, she's, (laughs) She, you just don't. <laughs> you gotta be really careful with Clara. <laughs> Clara is a kind of person you always want to invite along, but right. you just gotta be careful what you put her in charge of. <laughs> right, right. Uh,
0: she, she's well intentioned. Yes. Uh, if we were to break to some of the classical archetypes, Clara would be the fool who yeah. who, who speaks the truth, but nobody recognizes because. Yes. She's so absurd and so you know off the edge or whatnot. Yeah. Um, she's she's so out outlandish, it's, it's, and she and she tries to help, but but her attempts at helping end up you know backfiring. Like in like you said season three, when um uh, yeah where um uh, Codex has the big crush on her neighbor who's a, a stuntman. Yeah, that's season two. That's season two. That is season two. That's why I was yeah. I was I was slowing down because I'm like, that's not season three. I'm having this argument with myself in my head. This is what it's like to have a PhD. You can uh, you can be talking and arguing <laughs> in your head at the same time. I don't want to end it. Um, it's a little madness making. Anyway, <laughs> season two, she has this crush. And what ha- ends up happening at the end of that episode, but Clara ends up making out with the guy that, you know, Kodak says a big crush on. She doesn't really help out, <laughs> no. except maybe push her away from him, which might've been better in the outcome anyway. But yeah.
1: <laughs> the physical relationship or the real world relationship in that, in that season gets tested. Right. And for the most part, they they see the sides of each other and the selfishness actually of each other. Mm-hmm. And in an area where they have not had to actually apply uh, what the repercussions of their actions are. Right. And that's what you see in, in season three is you see a a community that's beginning to fall apart. And what does a community do in those situations? Was it a community to begin with? Mm -hmm. Was the game the only thing that, that, that brought them together? And is that the only thing that they can, um, associate with Mm -hmm. or can they sustain this real life community and actually being themselves yeah and can and can they can they transcend the game
0: and and at that point that was the question because that was the season where blades deletes tink's character and and they end up breaking up and she leaves the guild in season three and then they have all those conflict you know complicated things that make it almost impossible for them to continue as a group. And then it is in the end, the game that brings them back together because they go up against in the battle Royale, they go up against the other guild, the axis of anarchy. And it is that action that brings them together as a group that, and helping blades out, right? When blades gets harassed by, by the axis of anarchy
1: they end up doing a whole lot of self-discovery where they learn more about each other in season two. Mm -hmm. They are isolated in season three Mm -hmm. and they kind of have to learn more about each other. And in the end, I think what they see is the benefits of the community, right? They
0: see what's important Mm -hmm. in, in what they're getting from the group and they they can't deny it anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, that it is, it is a positive influence in their life and they mm-hmm. choose the community. Exactly. They s- realize that, you know, I have a role here. Yeah. I have a unique and individual role here that I play right. and my role has value. Right. And, at the same time, they feel protective of the other members. Yes, exactly. And and want to work with each other
0: and want and want everybody to succeed, which if, if we're to give the basis of community a definition, wanting the other people in the community to succeed, I think is sort of that highest level of, yes. of community. When, when you can remove your ego from it and say, you know, I want all the people here to be successful then you've really reached an important aspect of community that's often overlooked. People can come together and and make a group of people with a similar interest, but you don't become a community until you really feel that connection to wanting other people to do well and to be successful and to help them solve their problems. And that's, exactly. what, we're seeing, that's what we're seeing evolve out of this, and that's what we saw evolve out of. Each season has had a different character, sort of personal crisis in terms of their growth and i was almost entirely convinced that the show was going to end at season five. <laughs> oh, really i really was i i had felt like they had come to pretty tidy conclusions with everybody Clara, at the end of season five, wants to go home to her kids, uh, which is something we don't always see her sort of acknowledge. She missed her kids and her husband. Tink had resolved her relationship with her parents and had admitted to them she was no longer pre-med. Uh, Kodak's had her new job. Uh, Zabu had been successful in his Seat Savers endeavor. And Vork had a new love interest. So really, everybody had everybody had been successful, like truly independently and together successful. And so I was like, you know, this might be this might be the resolving point for for the show. No.
1: And they're I- all so messed
0: up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, aren't we all?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but they're really, really messed up. (laughs) I mean, who who would date Vork? (laughs) Uh,
0: Somebody who appreciates, as my dissertation advisor said, he was the perfect uh, breakdown of capitalism. Like he was so anti-capitalism was what she loved about Vork. His his constant push to to not sort of get caught in capitalistic tropes or ideas or get caught up in, you know, what everybody else does he fought against so much and she loved that. So somebody who loves that about some about someone would, you know, the character I think that he's dating, I, I think is sort of reliving her youth, but that that sort of remains to be seen from where the yeah. episodes are headed. But I I do wanna you know, I'm delighted. I don't. I don't want to make it seem like I'm not happy that there's a sixth season because trust me, I'm delighted that there is, and I'm really impressed with the level of production coming mm, out of this yeah. season. Everything has been amped up. There's a new intro series, which at oh, first, oh, it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. My first reaction was like, where, what, what, but I. I you know that was the other one you know (laughs) that we know and love and you know are familiar with but once I watched the episode and I saw the increase in production values and what they were doing with some of the camera angles and different things like that I was like okay this new this new opening makes sense to me now but it took it took watching the episode for me to sort of come to that realization
1: Uh, I was really glad they jazzed that up that was that was a Uh, To me, that was a nice mark for them. Yeah, a nice mark
0: of sort of moving to the next layer of whatever the show is going to be. And there's also a a little subtext that goes on in that intro that's more revealing of who their characters are individually. Yes.
1: If you didn't notice it when we sent you back to watch go yeah. back and watch it again again cuz you you get little little glimpses of who everybody is as a character
0: in uh-huh. this which you didn't get in the sort of more cartoon I mean it's still a cartoon but the more flat cartoon that they had before mm-hmm. you didn't get that same sense of who they were as individuals this you get a little bit of glimpse of who each character is through yeah. this intro which I really appreciated
1: yeah, that's part of what I liked about it. Yep. If we, I'm um, working our way up to season six. Um, I just want to talk really briefly about season four and season five. Cause like you said, at some point after season five, I mean, you kind of thought, well, everything's kind of rounded out. Right, right? Where I see in season three that they have, they basically come together with a better understanding of their relationship together as a team. They, they, Accept each other and their real life selves, right. real life personalities. What's the next step in a relationship, but introducing friends, family and relatives? Right. Right. Exactly.
0: Sort of going that next, that next step yeah. of, of, of knowledge of who a person is.
1: Yeah. I mean, As soon as you meet someone that you have a good time with and you enjoy doing things with, you're like, oh, I can't wait for you to meet my mom or my sister or, you know, everybody will think you're so cool. And that's kind of what season four does. It, It follows this progression. Hey, we've weathered the storm of getting along individually and understanding our need for each other. Mm hmm you're so cool. You know, they introduce Claire's husband has been in it before, but he's involved. Right. Um, Zabu's mom comes back. Right. There are several characters that get introduced that kind of stir things up. And, and that takes us to our, our sort of ne- next
0: level of, of community and connection and, and leads to, to the depth of connection that we see them having now. Yeah. Without those, those, those conquerings or those, um, uh, how did I phrase it in the introduction that I did? Um, the hurdles that they sort of help each other over, mm-hmm. um, both in game and out, without those hurdles, without the, you know, the hurdles of their real world life with them, they wouldn't have the depth and the community wouldn't continue, like you said, you know. Communities have to be maintained, and you have to have yes. a motivation to maintain that community. And so it is those those challenges that they face in episode four. And episode five, or an episode, um, uh, season four, you see them kind of come together. In season five, they spend a lot of time separate from each other. There, there's not a lot of time that the guild spends together, together.
1: Yeah, but you know, they I think what they they show is number one, the 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 next step of growth is they actually go out publicly and do right. something together as a group yeah but and they
0: are spending the, they're sleeping in the same hotel room so i guess i can't really say it. <laughs>
1: they haven't spent any time together <laughs> but particular members of the group begin to gravitate toward each other mm-hmm. and they show how they can can play individually i mean you know there's always going to be that one other person in the community that either you get along with better or compliment you better right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. brings out the best in you right and you have so i think that's kind of what the progression they make in 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 season five is just taking that to the next step and they support each other there's a there's a great system of support there are a lot of external problems in season five right yeah
0: everything that they're coming up against is an issue that's they don't have a hotel room or you know they're not getting respected by the people that you know, like uh, Clara yeah. with the um, the steampunk you know snobs sort of exactly buffing her and all those different things, and so and they all come together to make that um, happen. And in the end, for the ultimate another reason why I thought it might be the end of the ser- of the show altogether, they really do come together to save the game at the end. I mean that's the thing yes. that they're that they're fighting for at the end of the game that, at the end of that season that brings them together is them fighting for the keeping the game and not having um the creator of the game sell it
1: yeah it codex even says clearly we're friends but we need the game to hold us together exactly exactly she really does
0: she she nails it she nails it right on the head right there so
1: So the interesting thing then about season six, like you said, is at the end of season five, they look like that they're on uh, paths of success, which I think we can obviously denote a a symptom of a growing community, especially a real life community is continuing maturity. Mm -hmm. You begin to grow and mature as a group and as an individual. Exactly. So. What is it that you can deal with in season six? Right. And what I see basically is that now each of them individually are having real life problems. Right. And where are they going to get those, get support and encouragement and help and help. Yeah. So of course they go to the guild
0: yeah. <laughs> because they understand and accept each other in a way that they may not be understood or accepted in other parts of their life, which is part of what we're seeing. We're seeing tanks. Uh, <laughs> she's out by the pool and she's been let in and, you know, uh, to to swim and sit out by the pool, you know, and and uh, is taking advantage of the, the people around her. And we see that start to backfire
1: finally <laughs> we see some
0: repercussions for her for the way that she's treated uh, the men in her life essentially
1: yeah and blades is having problems with her his mom's boyfriend
0: right bruiser from the axis of anarchy yeah yeah poor guy yeah he's coming back in and and he gets stuck out in the in the garage so yeah so
1: then would you consider it Let's look, we're talking about, we want to talk specifically about gaming community. Mm -hmm. Would you consider it healthy that in the, all of these now real world problems Mm -hmm. that they are depending on a gaming community to help get them through it? Yeah, I think, I think it's totally healthy. I think, you know, when, when, if we go back
0: to the very, very first episode, the very first episode It opens with Codex on the phone with her shrink and her shrink is telling her you need a support group. You need a support network of people in your life that'll help you. And she's like, because you don't interact with anybody. And she's like, I interact with people all the time. And she says, not online. You need to meet people in the real world. And that's exactly what they end up being for each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how how everything ends up evolving Um, that episode, that season where they where they take out um, Zabu's mom and sort of get him his independence is the first hurdle that they conquer as a group.
1: Yeah. And it it does a lot for all of them, not just for Zabu. Exactly. Like they, they all
0: that's where that's where you get in that first season. You see the sparks of who they are. You know, you have a little idea of who the of Clara is, a little idea of who Tink is, an idea of who Vork is. You get little pieces and little sparks, little seeds that you can see where the characters can grow from into into what we know them as now. And, and that growth is is what makes the show compelling. It is how well constructed the characters are, how well the stories are constructed around the characters to help them grow and to help them sort of progress. I definitely think, you know, I I think as we've talked about gaming as an outlet, as a means of engagement, of problem solving, of all those different great things that we think about, you know, having a community evolve out of it wouldn't be any different than having a community evolve out of, say, your church where you have, you meet people there or a book group or any kind of other, you know, knitting club, whatever it is you do, you know. Yeah. There's nothing that says that this is any different than that. It's just considered differently because it began in a virtual space.
1: so is there are there any conclusions that you think we can make about community or get, get building a gaming community from the guild? It can be awesome <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have put it better that's. Pretty- <laughs>
0: How academic of you! <laughs> I know, right? Uh, exactly. Let's let's pull out the pedigree for it. it could be awesome. <laughs> well,
1: it's just the fact. It's just the fact that community is is simply an essential of life. Mm-hmm. It's a se- essential of humanity and of growth. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. The, the web series could have been about, like you said, a book club. It doesn't matter. Sorry, sure. it, it could have been about board gamers. It could have been yeah. about any
0: kind of group of people the reason why it hit and has the success it has is because this is such a big thing right now and because the internet is a natural place for gamers to converge
1: <laughs>
0: well <laughs> and you know it validates gaming communities absolutely and as it and which is you know in in my opinion is just the greatest thing ever because we should be validating communities that that bring people together, any kind of communities that bring people together and give them a space where they can find like-minded people who help them figure out who they are. Because all of us are alone in some struggle. You know, all of us go up against our own bosses, you know, literal or figurative bosses, however you want to phrase it. We all end up going up against those. So when you have a group of people who can stand behind you, who cares where you found them? (laughs) Just be thankful that they're there
1: yeah well we'd love to hear your feedback anything about gaming community or the guild any insights that you've got and we we see a lot of depth in the show mm-hmm. you can leave your comments on gameongirl.com through Twitter at game underscore on underscore girl and you can find us on Facebook game on girl podcast what, do you say? what do you say?
0: Rhonda and we have the responses to our Twitter question to discuss uh, our theme was about community as you can see that emerging from this episode building off our episode from our last episode where we talked to Jessica Marizen, the community manager from Bioware um, and had a really great discussion about mass effect and the community in that so that's part of the reason why I was inspired to look at this I'm, I'm as I have as I mentioned, as I mentioned to one of the people when I was talking about this question on Twitter, you know, I'm an ethnographer. I like to study culture, and I like to see how cultures sort of develop. And so that was one of the reasons why I brought this question up. And I, I've touched on these topics before in terms of, like, how do you meet people that you game with? But this is, I wanted to be a little bit more specific to community. Like, how do we make groups of people that end up hanging out and lasting and sort of... Yeah providing the support that we were just talking about in the guild to each other.
1: Dave Snell on Facebook responded and he simply said, you meet like-minded people where like-minded people gather. Right. He said, for me, it's usually just adding people on Xbox that I've enjoyed playing against and building relationships through sustained online interactions. This spreads into other games that we all commonly play. And in a couple of instances onto Facebook. So it's pretty much like the guild within right. the context of the game and the game environment. Right. And and
0: I love the phrasing that Dave uses here where he says, um, sustained online interactions. Hmm. I noticed early in my days on the Internet, back when everybody was connecting through AOL. Wow. Did I just need <laughs> myself or what? Um, <laughs> I noticed that you could maintain a conversation with somebody that you had met or whatever online and they would often peter out. If you had a disagreement, I noticed Hmm. relationships would often fall apart. They they didn't often sort of move past that. Sometimes if if you had talked about something you didn't agree with, or they had said something you didn't agree with, it, it it would kind of melt away. And it's really easy to let online relationships just, dissipate. Yeah. Because the stakes are pretty low. Right. Yeah. Lots of other are. people you can meet lots of other you know, to, to maintain relationships and have that sustained online interaction. You you have to work at it more, really.
1: Yeah, that's true, actually, I guess. Yeah. But, gonna, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, actually, one of the one of the other comments that we got plays into this mm-hmm. On Twitter, full fan at podcast said um, he's been a part of a lot of gaming communities in several different ways: mm-hmm. school, work, friends, family, even on Steam. Mm-hmm. But in the end, he says, "I was in several gaming communities, but they normally die, right?" And and that's you know any community
0: community just like any other relationship takes work. People people have phases that they go through gaming just like you would anything else mm. oh yeah yeah you know so so like i don't game with the the people that i gamed with in world of warcraft when i was writing the dissertation i was trying to think of a year i guess i was about 2008 2009 um they were a guild called the outsiders i still have a couple of them on my facebook but that's the only interaction i have with them now because they're not playing wow anymore i'm not playing wow anymore so so we sort of lost that thread that connected us together, which is one of the reasons why I think Steam is a great place to build a gaming community, because it's not dependent on a single game.
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying, because I was just sitting here trying to think, well, then is it possible to sustain a gaming community online without having any type of real life interaction and i know that it it is Mm -hmm. but it may be the exception towards more of a um environment like steam it wouldn't be right no because you can go from game to game with the
0: same friends and you can see you you can maintain those relationships that way I got a a very good friend of mine, one of my closest friends, I got her started playing Steam for Plants vs. Zombies Um, right around the time I was doing the research and you suggested that I try that out. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, you have to play Plants vs. Zombies because it's so much fun. So she got started there. And then she started to develop her own online community through Steam. Hmm. And, and then, you know, she likes shooters, so I suggested Left 4 Dead, and she plays Left 4 Dead, and she has a bunch of different, you know, friends that she made playing Left 4 Dead that she's continued to play with who moved to uh, Orcs Must Die, and now Orcs Must Die 2, which has a collaborative um, Endless Mode, which is insanely fun. And I'm not allowed to play during the week anymore. <laughs> um, for my own sanity and sleep. (laughs) Um, and she, and she's just, and, and that wasn't like, I didn't say go on steam because you're going to make friends on steam. I, I was like, here's this great place you could play this game. And then she's built this community around those games that she's played. And for, for Orcs Must Die too, she was just telling me last night that, she went and found new friends to play orcs must die too with, because she only had a couple people that she played and she wanted to continue to hone her skills for the, um, the endless. And so she went and found more people, which you can do. You can go to the community. Each, each game has its own hub. So you can go and find oh, people who yeah. already play that game and be like, Hey, I'm looking for people to play. And then you find more friends that way too. So.
1: Yeah. I'm looking for a, a gateway drug onto steam. <laughs> and i'm just seriously thinking about left for dead left for dead's a good one
0: except just you know, that was uh you know i i steam i uh streamed it with grethade who's been on the show before um and I, I had a lot of fun streaming it but man we we kind of sucked and neither one of us knew the map particularly well so <laughs> we got a little lost <laughs>
1: Well, we bring up something interesting with Steam because Vitamin Amy also found her community online, but she threw, found it through a platform, just right. like you said, a particular platform. Right. She said for Xbox, there is true achievements. There are forums, blogs, social networking, game info, and friend list. It's mainly a resource for Xbox achievement info, but it adds a social element. I have met some awesome people on this site. Now, Social networking is huge. You know, mm-hmm. you've got Twitter and Facebook, but we've also always talked that socialization and community is sort of goes hand in hand with gaming. It, there's something that it, it, it at its, its essence, right? Yeah, it naturally evolves from there. Would you say which came first, <laughs> the gaming, or did social networking come out of gaming? I mean, just theoretically. I would actually say the social components came first.
0: <laughs> well, y- y- yeah. Yeah, you can make arguments for both, you but I see it, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, you know, chicken versus the egg argument where, where it's a circle. It's a, it's a circle. It's a cycle where it's always, it's always interconnected together. But um, in one of uh, Will Wheaton's uh, stories that he tells, he talks about. The older gaming platforms and how when he was a kid and he used to play like Super Mario Brothers, there were different friends of his who were masters of different levels. So he would do one level that he was really good at and then when it came to a different one where he had to jump a lot or do a different kind of mechanic to to succeed on the level, a friend of his would take over and play that level. So, so the game, even though it wasn't designed to be social, it was designed to be a single player, became a social activity because yeah. you had people who you couldn't get to the end of the game without the help of your friend who could do the ghost level or who could do the driving yeah. level or whatever yeah. it was that needed to be done. Um, you needed that joint interaction to be able to see, succeed in the game. So that yeah. was always there it wasn't designed into it. It was how people adapted to play. And, and that's humans are the most adaptable creatures. You know, that that's what we do.
1: (laughs) Well, and like I said earlier too, it's socialization is in our nature. It's a, it's an, it's a natural desire. So again, the medium doesn't really matter.
0: Right. And to connect and feel connected. And so desire to play online or to not play online or to connect to your facebook like you know like i've mentioned before i love playing bejeweled blitz because i'm playing against my friends on facebook there's no communication with between me and and any of those people that i play with but you know but i know the three or four people who pretty much have a score every week who i know will go on to it and play at some point in time and so i like the connection that that provides so i think those connections and those those social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook and even Pinterest or whatever else you might be into all just build off what's already there. Like the social connections were already there. They just make it so yeah. you can connect to more people in an easier way.
1: Well, that's kind of what Alex W. at Chronoslinger says, because he wanted to distinguish between a game community and a community of gamers. Right. Uh, what he said is Twitter is where most of my gaming community is, but to be fair, I play a lot of single player and offline games. Right. So that just supports what we've just said exactly exactly that
0: that there really is you know you can go on to Twitter and you can talk to all kinds of different gamers on twitter and i've I've made this distinction before I enjoy Twitter as a social media platform more I think because it was built on interest for me, most of the people that I talk to and I interact with the fans of the podcast and whoever else I talk to on Twitter. I have met because of gaming or because of the dissertation or or the research I did or because of the podcast, whereas the people I have on Facebook are from jobs I've had, from different places I've lived, from different schools I've gone to, all those kinds of things. And not that I don't value those relationships, but they don't necessarily have the same interests that I have. Yeah, so Twitter, that's, it. that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, so Twitter becomes a more dynamic and more engaging community for me because they're more likely to, like, if I make an in-joke about Borderlands or something, people on Twitter are much more likely to get it than people on my Facebook are. They're going to be like... You know, I have vice presidents from IBM on my Facebook guys I used to work with, you know, who are great guys, but who I'm sometimes wonder, I'm like, God, I wonder what they're thinking when like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm posting a picture of a bra that looks like a Nintendo controller because I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Right? What are they thinking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In terms of who I was when I worked for them as a, as opposed to now where when I post that on Twitter, I know exactly. What the response is,
1: not maybe exactly, but I have a good idea of what the response is going to be to that. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, my mind is wandering over here because we're you're talking about the differences in social networking. And I'm thinking about back in the, the original days of Facebook when you would talk to people and, and the conversation was always about how many friends they had. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering how or if um, your gamer types map to these social types of networks? Oh,
0: you know, that's an interesting, that's an interesting question for, for me, I would say, uh, you know, much more self (laughs) person on Facebook, because that's, you know, much more related to other aspects of my life. But I tend to let my mastery show a little bit more on on Twitter because the people who I talk to there will understand, you know, what it means to have just finished this level or to have gotten my gear score up to whatever I got my gear score up to. Yeah. yeah. So they're gonna understand that language. They're part of that community and engaged in that in a different way. So they would understand the the reason for the mastery. Actually I would say uh Vitamin Amy, who you just mentioned, is one of the most pronounced mastery players I've ever seen. Like Her whole blog is based on getting the highest gamer score she could get on Xbox (laughs) and the achievements and all that. Like that's her whole thing was about those. And she she posts all the time about what point she has on her gamer score. And she's just such a clear and awesome mastery player. She actually, I'll give her a little quick plug here. She's going to be doing some uh, live streaming for Child's Play on October 20th. And she's raising money on uh, Facebook and on Twitter right now for Child's. Cool. Is uh, the charity who puts um, games in children's hospitals for kids who are sick? She's raising money for them. Make sure to watch her on uh, Twitch TV. I think it's slash Vitamin Amy, so you can check her out. On October twentieth, she'll be st- streaming. I think for twenty four hours. So um, make sure to check it check it out and give a donation to her if you
1: can. So yeah, we'll leave the uh, the link in the post. Yes, we'll make sure to put
0: that up on the website as well.
1: Well, to wrap this up, I think that. For me, at least, one of the more (laughs) insightful responses came from Jamie at A Unicorn in Space. And she simply said, I haven't figured it out yet. I know. I loved just the simplicity and the blatant honesty
0: involved in that. And I I was really concerned about this question because I didn't get a lot of response from it. And so I was like, I wonder if I really kind of missed my mark on here. And Fanful of Podcasts, was like, well, it's not very controversial, which is why I was like, well, I'm, you know, I study community. I study groups of people and culture. And that's why I want to know sort of how this evolves for other people. I can talk about my story. You can talk about your story. But I want to know how it happens for other people as well.
1: Yeah. And I think that I don't think it was the question. I, I don't think there was anything wrong with the question. I think it simply is the way Jamie said it's hard. Yeah, yeah. And nobody's got the answer for right, it. Right, right. Um, it's it's the completely open-ended question that, that you know, we dealt with while we, you know, form Boy Scout troops and mm. uh, book clubs and Elks clubs and, and all kinds of different types of community while we're trying desperately mm-hmm. to create a socialization. We want it, you know, we desire it. Right. And when you've got it, you know, I love some of the quotes in season three. Codex says her guild is falling apart. Mm -hmm. And they're thinking, you know, well, we've got to get new members in because we've got to fill these roles in the guild. Right. And that's not that easy to do. She says, I don't want to have to meet new people. (laughs) New people being awkwardness and flailing around for common topics. Mm hmm. And it is. It's hard. It is. Yeah, it
0: is hard. It is hard. And when you have that community and you recognize how important it is to you, you realize how important it is to work to keep it. And that's that's what we're seeing in the Guild this season too. You know, they're all at very different places. They're dealing with different challenges, but they're still working to stay together as a group. Yeah. And that's a lesson that we should all take away from that. Don't don't take advantage of your communities. There have been times when I've lost communities that I was part of because of my own inaction and you know, I, I miss them. I still miss them. And when you have it, and you know you have it, I have a great group of gamer friends, both online and in person, that I game with. And I can't imagine what it would be like to go a few weeks without connecting with all of them, because that's that's my community, and that's why it's important and valuable. So don't take your communities for granted. <laughs> no.
1: They're 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 too hard sought. I mean, it's yeah. just too hard exactly. to get. Yep. Well, we love it when you guys respond to us on Twitter and Facebook. We have some very interesting conversations out there. If you've never joined us, um, it's a really nice community of uh, socializing on common ideas and thoughts. You can leave your opinions about this episode on our website at GameOnGirl.com. I am Rhonda Oglesby. You can meet me on Twitter at Rowroom. That's R-H-O-R-H-O-O-M. You can email me at Rhonda at GameOnGirl.com. Or you can read my tech blog at com, And I'm your host,
0: Regina McMenemy, and you can follow me on Twitter at DocLiz with two Zs. Um, oh, I was just about to thank uh, whoever was on the show, but we didn't have anybody on the show. <laughs> Oh, you can thank me. I thank Rhonda. I I I try to thank Rhonda on a regular basis on Twitter <laughs> because Rhonda is the most grounding force of this podcast. You guys have no idea the amount of work that Rhonda does to keep this uh, to keep this game on girl going. So uh, thanks to Rhonda for for all her research and putting the scripts together and keeping me in the um, real world as opposed to the nice little fantasy world of my head. <laughs> I do tend to get lost in and argue with myself over <laughs> oh you're welcome thanks for uh, letting me co uh, much appreciated <laughs> Game On girls! is available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming these links along with references made in the show can be found on our website gameongirl.com or email me at regina at gameongirl.com this podcast is edited with audacity and the theme song good day by triple fox is used under creative commons attribution license thanks for listening and until next time game on Come mm-hmm. on.